Okay, we're going to continue now with our teaching series on the Bible. The Bible. And uh, let me just recap where we've been so far. In the first week in this series, the sermon was called Bingeworthy, and we talked about why we should read the Bible, six good reasons why we should read the Bible. Uh, and then the second week was Unbreakable, where we talked about why we can trust the Bible, why we know it's a reliable resource for us. Uh, week three, last week, was uh, how to read the Bible. And uh, we only got halfway through that message, and then today we're going to finish that message on how to read the Bible. Next Sunday will be uh, an overview of the whole message of the Scriptures. What's it all about? That's gone long story short. And then uh, what I'm really looking forward to is uh, on the sixth week, the Bible Q&A. So that Sunday is going to be very different. I've only done this once before, actually, where I've had a Q&A Sunday, uh, but I think it's going to be really good. So if you have questions, please um, reach out to me about that. And then on February 23rd, as I mentioned earlier, Anna Robbins will be here from Acadia. Okay, so last week uh, we talked about the Bible, how to read it. And uh, the first two points were that we need to read it with accuracy and read it with others. Reading with accuracy, we kind of talked about uh, introductory hermeneutics, which is uh, how, the uh, concepts of, of how to properly interpret the scriptures. And by starting with understanding and grasping the text in their town, uh, in, the, in, the, in the context, the historical, cultural, language, literary context of the people who wrote it. What did the author intend? How would the audience, the original audience, have understood this passage of Scripture? That's where we start. From there, we can draw out the principle or the overarching idea, the, the big idea that gets to the heart of God, and that's the principalizing bridge that crosses the river of time, and then we can grasp the text in our town and apply it to our lives. So that's how we kind of basic introduction on how we interpret the Bible correctly and accurately. And then we talk about how we should read it with others. That we don't have to do this on our own. That the Bible can be challenging at times, but thankfully we have the church. We have the church globally that has been around for 2,000 years that we can turn to for corporate discernment uh, on how to properly interpret the Scriptures. And we have the church local as well. We have one another, and we can help make sense of the Bible together. So we practice community hermeneutics together. So those are what we talked about last week. And today, three more points about how to read the Bible. Because not only do we have others who can help us interpret the Bible correctly and understand it correctly, but we also have this huge, significant factor called the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when we read it, we need to read it with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God Himself, present with us, plays a major role in our ability to truly grasp the Scriptures. In fact, the Bible suggests that we cannot actually fully grasp God's Word apart from the Holy Spirit. Let me read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and the Scripture should be on the screen as well. If you want to turn there, you can. In your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 12, says this, Paul writing, he says, And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Now Paul is writing 
to the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church. Christians, people who have believed in Jesus, declared Him their Lord, repented of their sins, committed to following Him. That's what it means to be a Christian. And Jesus, Jesus called it being born again, or He also said being born of the Spirit. And, and when we place our trust in Him, when we are saved, we are born of the Spirit. We receive eternal life. And that means that when we, when we uh, are saved, when we are born of the Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. God Himself, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in our lives. We are united with Christ through the Spirit. So, Paul says to the church in Corinth, we have received God's Spirit. We are believers. God's Spirit is in us and with us. We have received God's Spirit. And because of that reality, we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. And then he says in verse 13, When we tell you these things, Paul's saying when me and my colleagues, these other men who are, who are preaching and sharing the message, uh, we do not use words that come from human wisdom or from only from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So Paul and his colleagues who are writing and preaching and sharing the message, they're doing so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The very words that we are reading in these pages of the Bible are the Spirit's words. Then verse 14, Paul says, But people who aren't spiritual, those who haven't been born again, who aren't born of the Spirit of God, people who aren't spiritual can't, receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And then he goes on and says, but we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Jesus in John 16 told His disciples about the sorts of things that the Holy Spirit would do for them after the Spirit came in full force on and after the day of Pentecost. He says when the Spirit of truth comes, one of the things He's going to do is He's going to guide you into all truth. <clears throat> so what we see here is that the, the Holy Spirit plays a significant role in our ability to understand God's Word, our ability to understand what the Spirit is speaking through the apostles and even through the Old Testament. So the, uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to the Scriptures is twofold, actually. It's inspiration and illumination. The role of inspiration. God the Holy Spirit inspired the authors, and we have what we have in the Bible because of the working of the Holy Spirit in the minds of those who wrote. Praise God. It's not just man's Word. It's God's Word. Um, but also the Holy Spirit plays a role in the illumination of His Word. The Spirit's moving in our minds and hearts allows us to truly understand the Scripture. As Paul was saying, without the Scriptures, without the Spirit illuminating the Scriptures to us, it's very hard, maybe even impossible, to actually accept the truth of the Word. And I know many people read and study the Bible as literature. You can go to secular universities and take courses on the Bible as literature from people who aren't believers, who appreciate the Bible as a historical text, and they study it and they pick it apart, but they don't know the God of the, wor- of the, of the words. 
And they might come to an intellectual understanding and appreciation of it. But until the Holy Spirit starts stirring in them, they will never fully receive what God is speaking through His Word. Uh, Duval and Hayes, who wrote my hermeneutics textbook, they say, they may grasp the meaning of the biblical text, but they refuse to allow the text to grasp them. Now, when those of us who are Christians, who have received the Holy Spirit, approach the Scripture, we have an advantage in that we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But here's the thing. We have to be intentional about inviting the Holy Spirit and welcoming the Holy Spirit into our Bible reading. To read prayerfully, with an open heart, listening to what God might be saying. When we come to the Scriptures with that posture, that's when the Spirit does that work of illumination. The text comes alive. Reading the Bible becomes more than an intellectual exercise and more of a spiritual experience. We encounter the living God through His Word as He speaks into our lives through the text. Uh, If you want to put up the next picture, this is uh, Neil Peart, who is the drummer for Rush. And Neil Peart just passed away recently. He was uh, a great Canadian icon in the music world. And uh, I, I really appreciated his drumming. When I was a little tyke and CDs first became a thing, um, I got my first CD ever. My dad was, had a subscription to Columbia House. Anybody remember that? Right? Man, what a deal. Yeah, great deal. Anyway, so my dad would get all these CDs and, and he asked me, Son, would you like a CD from Columbia House? Yeah, that would be so cool. All I had before that was cassette tapes. I even had eight tracks, actually. Um, and so uh, I ordered from Columbia House this CD called Burning for Buddy, a musical tribute to Buddy Rich, who was one of the great jazz drummers. And it was a, a, a project that was organized by Neil Peart, the drummer for Rush. And he got together some of the greatest drummers in the world and they did all this big band jazz music tri- as a tribute to Buddy Rich and full of drum solos and stuff. It was so cool. Um, and so when, when Neil Peart passed away the other day, I, I honored and remembered Neil Peart by listening back to that CD and watching Neil Peart do drum solos and stuff on YouTube. It was awesome. Now... I'm going to go on a bit of a stretch here, but stay with me. Come with me on this journey, all right? You can draw a comparison between reading the Bible and playing the drums. Now, when you learn to play the drums, the first thing you have to learn is what are called the rudiments. The rudiments. These are the building blocks of playing the drums. These are the things like quarter notes, Right? And eighth notes. And sixteenth notes. And triplets. Triplet, 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 triplet. And then and then you start learning stuff like paradiddles, which are really fun, where you go paradiddle, 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 paradiddle. Right, left, right, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. And then you do double paradiddles. Double paradiddle, double paradiddle, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, right. Anyway. All these building and so those are some of the building blocks. These are called the rudiments. Drummers have to learn this stuff first uh, before you can get on to the next stuff. 
And you also have to learn proper technique, how to hold the sticks properly, how to keep your arms the right, right position. You have to understand things like time signature. You have to understand different drumming styles for different genres of music. You have to learn how to get different sounds out of your drums and cymbals. Um, you might learn to read drum music. Um, all these sorts of things. This is all the technical part of drumming. It's actually a sound, it's kind of mathematical actually, but it's necessary and it's really important and you can't be a good drummer until you learn the rudiments. But there's more to drumming than technique and rudiments. There's this incredible, indescribable element called feel, right? And I remember my dad, you know, who was a musician from way back in the 70s and used to play in all kinds of different bands and stuff. And he used to tell me, you know, you really got to, you know, you, you got you to gotta learn the feel. You got to learn to get into the groove of the song. It's this emotional, mystical aspect of, of playing the drums. So, and some musicians are skilled technically, you know, very good technical players, but they completely lack feel, Right? And uh, and you and you can see you know it when you see it. You go, wow, they're really good, but it just isn't in the. It's not in the groove or something. Well, here's the thing: when it comes to reading the Bible, the equivalent of the rudiments is hermeneutics. Okay, we talked about that last week, right? About proper technique of approaching the Word of God. That's the rudiments. Right? It's reading with accuracy. It's the building blocks of biblical interpretation. But when you put the Holy Spirit factor in there as well, that's when you get into the feel part. The Holy Spirit makes the Word come alive to us. The illumination of our hearts, the transformative experience of our, in our souls, that's the next level work of the Holy Spirit. That's the music. When, when Neil Peart ripped into a 10-minute drum solo... It was all built on the rudiments. If you were to actually chart it down on paper, it would all just be rudiments. Um, but there was something deeper going on there. It was an artistic and musical experience that couldn't be defined or described or even truly transcribed on paper. And God is calling us. God is calling us into a deeper experience of His Word. To use the rudimentary interpretive principles of Bible reading to lead us into a, a spiritual experience where we literally encounter the God of the universe through His written Word. So if you want to go deeper in your Bible reading, read with the Holy Spirit. And that means, first of all, step one, come to know Jesus as your Savior. That's the first part. Be born again. Be born of the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit into your life. That's the first part. And then when you come to His Word... Welcome the Holy Spirit. Come with a posture of invitation to what the Holy Spirit might speak to you as you read His Word. There's an ancient spiritual practice called Lectio Divina. And some of you, obviously some of you have heard of this before. 
And uh, I love this. Some people think it's weird, um, but I think it's really cool. And I do this sometimes, not all the time as I read the Bible, but often when I come to the Scriptures, once in a while I, I take the time to kind of go through a Lectio Divina uh, practice, which, and there's different ways you can do Lectio Divina, but it means divine reading is what it means, or spiritual reading. And it's a way of just sort of reading the Scripture with the Holy Spirit in mind and, and with an openness to what God might want to speak to you through it. And basically what you do is you, is you read the passage that you have in front of you. You read it through once uh, for comprehension, just to make sense of it. Kind of that rudimentary stuff we were talking about last week. Reading it with accuracy, making sense of it. Um, but then you read it through a second time, slowly. The same thing. And you read it prayerfully. You say, Lord, what do you want to speak to me through this? You read it through slowly. And then you might read it through a third time slowly. And you start to zero in as God is speaking to you on, on a phrase or a word or a concept that, that is really standing out to you. And then you start meditating on just that single phrase or concept and just start letting God speak that into your heart. That's basically what Lectio Divina is. There's different ways to do it. But I just love doing that. And it's amazing when, when you do that, how you encounter God. Like you hear the vo- you don't literally hear the voice of God, but you hear the voice of God. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's amazing. So that's one thing you can try. So read with the Holy Spirit. Without the work of the Holy Spirit illuminating it to us, it's harder for us to truly grasp it. Maybe even impossible. And then the next point is to read it with consistency. The Bible sometimes uh, refers to itself with food analogies, oddly enough. In 1 Peter chapter 2, for example, refers to the Word of God as pure spiritual milk. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the Word of God is bread and milk for us. And I think it's a great way to describe the Scriptures because just as we need to eat every day to be healthy and to stay alive, we likewise need consistent Bible intake in our lives. Feasting on the Bible one day a week on Sundays isn't going to sustain us for the next seven days. We need daily experiences in the Scriptures. We can learn from the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. Uh, In Acts 17, we hear about these people called the Bereans. And it says this in in verse 10, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So they are on this way to Berea to continue their missionary journey. And when they arrived, they, Paul and Silas, went into the Jewish synagogue. And now these Jews of Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I love the, the people, these people in Berea. They were eager to read the word and to study the scriptures. It says to see if these things were so. What things? The things that the Christian preachers were saying about Jesus. They wanted to study the scripture and make sure that what the preachers were saying was true. And that's a good thing for you to do too, by the way. When this preacher gets up on Sunday morning and you listen, don't just go, well, I'm going to take his word for everything he said. No, go home and study it for yourself and, and, and confirm it. Because guess what? I have been wrong before. Once, I think once. Anyway... Um, <laughs> 
I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. Yes, right, Julia? Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, but the other cool thing here is that is that, is, uh, is that they were doing this daily. The Bereans were reading the Scriptures every single day. And God did a good work among the people of Berea. Many people coming to faith in Jesus. Every single day. Read the Bible with consistency. And then last, the last point, and this is maybe even the most important. Read the Bible with application in mind. Bruxy Cavey from Toronto, one of my favorite preachers, he says, the most important part of Bible study is when we close our Bibles. <laughs> what happens after we close our Bibles? Are you putting into practice what you're reading? Because if you're not, you're missing the point. You know, the Bible is ultimately an instruction manual. There's an old acronym, I'm sure you've heard this before. The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And, you know, I think that's really actually very good. A very helpful uh, acronym for us to remember. Because it really is, it's an instruction manual for, for how to live. Um, we recently, Julia and I, went to Ikea and bought a bunch of stuff at Ikea to finish decorating our home. And um, uh, the last week or two, I've spent a lot of time putting together Ikea stuff, staying up late into the night, um, watching Netflix and putting together Ikea, which is not always easy. Uh, but the instructions, uh, the, there's an instruction book that comes with them. It's hard to decipher at times, but man, if you didn't have the instructions, you'd be lost. But here's the thing, I wouldn't, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't read the instructions in this little booklet and go, that's how you do it. And then never actually build the Ekblarg, or whatever it's called. Right? Like, no, you read the instructions with the purpose of putting the thing together. Imagine if I got my friends together. I said, guys, come on over. We're going to read the Ikea instructions together, and we're going to have a great discussion about it. And, uh, and, and, uh, and then we still never actually build the thing. And we're going to send our pastor off to seminary and he's, he's going to go and he's going to study all about how to read the instructions. And we still never build the thing. That would be foolish. Foolish. But, and that's the same word that Jesus uses for it. When we hear his instructions but don't put them into practice. Matthew 7, the very end of his Sermon on the Mount. This is his magnum opus. You know, the Sermon on the Mount should be at the center of our Bibles. As we think about what's the center of the, of the Bible, we should think about the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus's, the core of Jesus' teaching all summed up in one spot. And at the very end, the last thing He says in His Sermon on the Mount is this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But then he says this, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the what? Foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and the house on the sand went as the song says from Sunday school. Both of these guys went to Bible study. 
Both of these guys heard the words of Jesus. Both of them went to church. But it was the wise man who put the words into action. Jesus' brother James wrote, Faith without works is dead. Or you might say, Right beliefs without right action is pointless. So when we read the Bible, do so with application in mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to apply it and get on with it. So, review. Here we go. How to read the Bible. Read it with accuracy. Think about those rudimentary principles of biblical interpretation so that we, we approach the Scriptures correctly. Um, and, and we can use other people to help us do that process. And we are thankful for the church and we're thankful for our small groups and for our Facebook group and all these things that we have so that we can do corporate discernment and community hermeneutics. That's really good. Um, but there's a factor there that we really need and that's the Holy Spirit. That without the role of the Holy Spirit illuminating it to us, uh, it's an intellectual exercise rather than a spiritual experience. We needed to move from the head to the heart. Uh, but then we also need to, to move from the head to the heart to the hands. That's the application part. It has to actually play out in our lives, otherwise it's just pointless. And we need to do that with... We need to read it consistently. So, amen. That's good stuff, right? Yeah, all right. So next week, what's the overarching narrative of the entire Bible? That's going to be good. And then the following week after that, the Q&A. Please email me if you have questions. I'll put that, uh, my uh, email address up on the screen there. If you have any questions at all, Bible questions, theology questions, questions of stuff that you're reading and you go, I don't understand what this is saying, um, difficult passages, whatever it might be at all, please Ask me the questions. I would love to have some questions in advance of Sunday morning so that uh, I have some time to prepare. It would be great. Um, but I, will, I do, do plan to have uh, questions live off the floor that Sunday as well. Okay. Let's just take a moment, close in prayer, and then we're going to sing our Bible theme song again to close. <clears throat> Father God, Creator of the universe, Jesus, Son of God, Holy Spirit, Triune God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you have spoken, that you have revealed yourself to us through your written word. And we thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit is present and active and can illuminate it to us, Lord. I pray, Father, that the result of this whole sermon series would be change in our lives, transformation, that we would become more like Jesus, that we would live lives more in line with your word, that uh, our lives would reflect the Sermon on the Mount and other scriptures, Lord. So, God, do a work in our hearts and our minds, and may it translate into our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.